Hello and welcome to the Good Fiction Podcast. Join us as we continue with Darkest Darker Dark, episode 16. Debbie, what happened? asked Nathan. He sat down next to her and began to examine the wounds on her face. You should know, she said. You followed me, didn't you? The blood on her lip went from dry to bright red as she reopened the wound from the movement of her mouth. I want to know what's going on, Debbie. Tell me right now or I'm going to get my parents in on this. I mean it. Tell me, stated Nathan. Debbie sat back on the couch. Nathan hadn't noticed that she was holding a dish rag that had been transformed into an ice pack. She brought it up to her lip and dabbed the blood that was oozing from a cut that was obviously on the inside of her lip. I have something to tell you, she said. He hesitated while she doctored her lip until he just couldn't take it anymore. Come on, Debbie, what's going on right now? I'm pregnant, she said. You're what? Why does everyone not hear me the first time I say those words? I did hear you, he said. I just want to hear you say it again. I'm pregnant, she replied. Nathan sat back on the couch. Their shoulders were touching. Okay, he said. I'm still confused. I went to Mr. Miller to get some advice. I told him, and my God, he started acting like a psychopath. Nathan's arms were crossed, and he looked straight ahead as he took it all in. He didn't say anything when Debbie finished describing the events of the day. Well, she asked and turned to look at him. Well, what do you want me to say? We'll get married and... We're too young for that, interrupted Debbie. Debbie, he said. We could figure out a way to make it work. I know we're young, but... He was interrupted by Debbie's hands going to her face. Just as tears began to stream down her swollen cheek. First, we need to call the police, said Nathan. No, said Debbie, don't. What are you talking about, he said. That creep hit you. I said, no, I don't care what you said. I'm going to call them in. But before he could finish, the front door began to open. His parents were coming home from an outing to the movies. Debbie clutched Nathan's arm with the strength of a linebacker and dug her French manicured nails into his flesh to a point that almost brought blood. You wait, she said. Her words meaning or else. He yanked his arm away, upset at the way she was talking to him like he was being scolded and threatened at the same time. Before she could be seen by his parents, she darted up the stairs, her long hair bounced behind her as the Calhouns came into the living room. Well, and how are you two? I see that Debbie made it back from the library, okay? said Mrs. Calhoun as she cocked her head to see Debbie on the last couple of stairs before she made it to the top. She's back, said Nathan. Good. Y'all don't stay up too late. And if you eat anything, please clean up after yourselves, she said. 
No, said Nathan. That got Mr. Calhoun's attention. What did you say? I'm just joking. Of course, we'll clean up after ourselves. We always do, don't we? Like you said, Nathan, no, said Mrs. Calhoun, as she and Mr. Calhoun started up the stairs. He ignored them both. How could he think about anything else except what was going on? Then, the most terrible thought hit him. What if it wasn't him? What if it were someone else's? What if it was Mr. Miller's kid? The thought of it being someone else's almost instantly crushed him. It hurt him badly. He didn't even know the truth. Sick thoughts were in his head. Debbie had already lied once. She'd come clean, but now he knew she was capable of it. Giving his parents time to settle in for the evening, he eventually made his way up the stairs too. His mind was loaded with a tough question and his tongue was ready to fire. Not knowing, he decided, was much more miserable than wandering. The question of Debbie's faithfulness had to be addressed. He found her door shut and lightly knocked. She must have sensed it was him because after she said it was okay to come in, he found her lying on the bed, still dabbing the ice-filled dish rag to her lip. There was no effort to hide her injury. Are you going to be okay? He asked. Yeah, I don't know how I'm going to explain this, though. Nathan sat on the bed next to her. He left the door slightly ajar, as was the rule since she'd moved in. I have to ask you something, Debbie. She looked at him as if to say, yeah, go ahead. You haven't, I mean, Nathan stuttered. She sat on her elbows now, letting the blood splattered dishcloth fall. I mean, he continued, it's mine, right? She instantly brought the full force of her right hand across Nathan's face. I had to ask, quipped Nathan. You've already lied to me once. Debbie laid back down. The last thing she wanted was some knockdown, drag out fight with Nathan. Nathan touched his hand to his face where a red spot had developed, covering his left cheek. That hurt, he said. So did your question, she snapped back. Nathan was sitting up straight. Debbie was laying on her back. They didn't say anything for maybe ten minutes or more. Each was lost in thoughts. Each was wondering and pondering on their situation. They were trying to figure out what to do. What to do about the obvious bruises that were covering Debbie's face. What to do about the psycho teacher. But the big question was what to do about the life growing inside of Debbie. Nathan broke the silence first. Why won't you let me call the police on him, Debbie? I'm scared of this guy, she said. I used to think he was, I don't know, someone I could trust, but now I see him as someone, 
something else. She turned her face to Nathan and sat up. He's crazy, she said. Her eyes were once again filling with tears. I'm scared of what he'll do. Besides, I lied to your parents, Nathan. They could kick me out of here. Then what? A foster home? They're going to find out, Debbie. You've got a black eye. I mean, makeup, she said. I should be able to cover it up enough to get in and out of the house. My lip will be better in a day or two. What about school, Nathan asked. I'll go to the counselor and get changed out of his class. Debbie, you just can't let him get away with something like this. The dude's sick. He needs help, said Nathan. That's not my problem, shot Debbie. I have to look out for myself. Explain to me how telling the police is going to get you in trouble. We can figure out a way around my parents. No, just let it be, Nathan, please. Just stay away from him. It's the safest way to handle this. Nathan shook his head. I don't understand this. Look, all he has to do is deny this, Nathan. No one saw us. I did, said Nathan. Shh, Debbie put her finger to her swollen lip. The nut hits you, Debbie. Debbie thought for a moment. You know, someone could say that I was trying to cover up for you that you were really the one who did it. Who would say that? Asked Nathan. I don't know. Look, she continued. It keeps running through my mind that he didn't seem to mind dumping me off here. He wasn't worried about any consequences. At the same time, he's not stupid. Surely he knows how much trouble he could get into. So you're saying he's not worried? Asked Nathan. He probably isn't. Why? I don't know, she said. It is kind of strange, I guess. He thought for a moment. Do you think it's possible that he just doesn't care about being caught or getting into trouble? Debbie jumped up and made her way quickly to the window as a beam of a car's headlight illuminated her room. Nathan was on her heels. They peered through the partially open mini blinds to the driveway below. A police car had pulled up about halfway into the drive. God, Nathan, what do you think they want? Asked Debbie. Her voice sounded panicked. Chill out. You haven't done anything wrong, he said. They watched the driver's side door open and a uniformed officer approached the front door. The faint sound of a police radio could be heard in the background. Why is he here, she asked. I don't know. Come on, let's get down the stairs before mom and dad hear him. They scooted down the stairs quickly and quietly and waited for the knock. Hopefully he'd knock and wouldn't ring the bell. He did. Nathan would have to handle this. Debbie stood off in the distance of the darkened living room. She could be seen from the doorway enough to only show that she was there. There wasn't enough light to indicate she had been hit. Nathan opened the door. Evening, said the young officer. He was peering over each of Nathan's shoulders, clearly trying to see inside the house. Can I help you, officer? 
Nathan fought to remain calm. Don't know for sure. You Nathan Calhoun? Uh, yes. What's this all about? Who's that? He responded, pointing to Debbie. My sister, he said. Really? Her name Debbie Masterson? Why? asked Nathan. Well, if you're Nathan Calhoun and that's Debbie Masterson, she could hardly be your sister, right? You never said what this is about, responded Nathan. Nope, don't suppose I did. Your parents home? asked the officer. No, he answered. Mind if I come in? said the officer. Yes, I do, responded Nathan. Now, what is it that you want? The police officer hesitated. He was still looking over Nathan's shoulder toward Debbie, who, knowing that he couldn't see the wounds on her face from where he was standing, held her ground. He was short and a little on the dumpy side, his hairline receding, leaving only a curly patch on each side above his ears. It was like his hair had abandoned his non-shiny dome. His hands were on his hips and positioned just next to his gun on one side and his nightstick on the other. Nathan couldn't help but notice that the officer's nightstick dangled around his knees due to the fact that he was vertically challenged. Seems we got an anonymous call about a young lady being beaten up, said the officer. A Debbie Masterson? The caller said she lives here. That you? He called her over Nathan's shoulder. Beaten up? Debbie forced herself to laugh as she answered. She didn't move from her position. Seems someone said a Nathan Calhoun was pounding on you out in the front yard. That true? Of course not, she said. Why would someone do that? You know, call like that, asked Nathan, really trying to play the part up well. Good question, said the cop. She wouldn't mind if I talked to your friend for a minute. He was pointing at Debbie. You Debbie Masterson? He spoke loudly into the house now and directed his question to Debbie. Yes, I'm Debbie Masterson, and no, no one has been beating up on me. That's ridiculous. Now, is there anything else, officer? Debbie didn't have time to respond to the officer before they were caught by the sound of thuds on the stairs. Mrs. Calhoun in her famous house coat was dutifully followed by Mr. Calhoun. What in the world? asked Mrs. Calhoun, looking toward the open front door where Nathan stood facing the officer. Evening, said the officer. Mr. Calhoun approached the door. There a problem here, officer? Well, I, I don't know yet, he replied. Debbie, what happened to your face? Mrs. Calhoun called out. That was all the officer needed to enter the house. Debbie kept her head ducked and Mrs. Calhoun gently touched her chin to raise it. Yeah, that's what I thought, said the officer. He turned to Nathan. You do this to her, he asked. No, Debbie answered for him. Then who did? asked Mr. Calhoun. He was angry at not only the fact that Debbie had been hurt by someone, but also the fact that he was having to deal with the situation. 
Mrs. Calhoun was immediately making the stairs thump loudly as she mumbled something about a first aid kit. Debbie, you tell me, why would someone call the police and say Nathan here did this? Especially if he didn't, asked the officer. Nathan would never do anything like this. Mr. Calhoun was adamant. I said he didn't do it, said Debbie. I called the police. I was mad at him. It's personal. I wish I wouldn't have done it. How'd you get a black eye and a busted lip? The cop was smiling as if he'd caught her in a really badly woven lie. I did it myself. You hit yourself? Asked the officer. Come on, you can do better than that. Mr. Calhoun interrupted. Officer, can I speak to you outside for a moment? The door was still open. He nodded yes, and Calhoun followed as they exited. He's telling him about your parents, whispered Nathan, as he stood at the partially open front door, straining to hear. Great. Now they think I'm a nutcase. Then why did you tell them that? She scowled at him with a wrinkled brow and squinted eyes. The look meant shut up. The officer faced the open door. Debbie, I'm going to give you a number to call. The officer sorted through business cards that came out of his right front shirt pocket into a stack of about 10. He finally settled on one and handed it to her. I have the legal right to take you to be evaluated right now. You mean psychologically? Asked Debbie. Yes, but I'm going to give you the chance to do this on your own. I want you to call this number, set up an appointment, and keep the appointment. And I'm going to check to make sure that you did this. And if I don't, ask Debbie... If you don't, Debbie, then I'll be back and our next stop will be the state hospital. You understand me? She'll take care of this, said Mr. Calhoun. I'll see to it personally. The officer gave Nathan and Debbie both hard glances right in their eyes. They knew he could sense that something was wrong. Sounds good, Mr. Calhoun. Good luck to y'all. Good evening. Mrs. Calhoun had made her way back down the stairs and began to tend to Debbie with the first aid kit. As Mrs. Calhoun doctored her with neosporum and alcohol, she began to let her mind go. She pictured that place she always went when she let her mind go. It was a dark place. Thank you for listening. Join us next time as we continue with Darkest Darker Dark. I'm Rodney Mathers. Goodbye for now.